Welcome to Profitable Powerhouse Properties with the AHI Group. I am Jonathan Cook, and with me as always... Ryan Jenkins, but today I'm from Huntsville. So. Yeah, he, he's not with me today. He's he's uh-huh. he's on a whole long road trip, a whole hour and hour and a half away. Hour and a half, yeah. I'm actually staying in one of our corporate apartments over in Madison, and uh, I'm actually working from our Huntsville office as our branch manager's on vacation this week. So, and I was telling, uh, we were having some pre-episode conversations just saying this is my first trip since uh, COVID locked us down in mid-March, so... That's right. Well, I mean, get out, of the, get out of the house and out of the workspace. Yeah. And I've made a few, I've made a few little bounce arounds to, to, I went to Gunnersville a few weeks ago. That was fun. Yeah. But, but I've done a little bit of moving. It's been very social distance moving. It's been like drive to a place, stay in the car, look at some pretty stuff, get back in the car. If there's woods, go play in the woods, you know? Yeah. And, and going to the lake a couple of times since then and just kind of, did my own thing up there, but uh, getting out for work, haven't done any NARPA travels with my RVP duties. Uh, all right. of our after meetings have all been virtual that we've been attending. So it's kind of like our episode today. And with us on this episode, speaking of which, we have someone who's normally at all of the conferences that we go to. We see him constantly. We love this guy. It's Jason Green with Roofstock. Welcome, Jason. How you guys doing? Good to, good to see you. That's right. I mean, normally this time of year, well, we would have probably already been hanging out someplace at least once or twice. Uh, yeah, we were talking about that on Friday. IMN was last week, usually right. uh, in Miami. And then, you know, usually I make it in the, into town, too. I, I know Brian was talking about that drive from Birmingham to Huntsville. Yeah. I've, I've done that a couple times. I know you have. You've been in the office. You've hung out. You, you've seen the differences. Have you ever actually been to our Huntsville office, Jason? I have not. Just no. been in the market. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really, um, and, we have a nice office up here. It's about, you know, a little under 6,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, corporate housing, property plan, and we got some warehouse space, commercial laundry. It's, it's a pretty nice facility. So, but uh, yeah, you've stomped around these markets uh, several times through Alabama, uh, checking out deals and meet, meeting folks. So we've had the opportunity to meet with you. And, and don't forget, we I don't know if you had planned on uh, what who was planning to go to broker owner in Hawaii. But, you know, when that date oh, came in, I had a small tear in my eye because I really wanted to go. Uh, well, I didn't get invited to Hawaii. So I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, Brian. You didn't get to go. You and Ralph. Because, yeah. Well, I think Andy had his name on that. But uh, since he decided to leave us, I, I think that puts me in the driver's seat there. Yeah, yeah. it does. So if they, if they re-up it, it's like, ah, we're still going to do Hawaii again. You're heading out there, right? I mean... If 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 it's allowed, why would I not? <laughs> to to any of our listeners that have not heard our multiple advertisements for Roofstock and the fact that we talk about them on, as Brian said earlier, probably you know nine out of every ten episodes, we we talk about Roofstock as often as we talk about Narpum, which is pretty funny because we talk about all of them just constantly, but. Roofstock is a service that we have been partnered with for at least two, three years, at least something yeah. like that, right? Been at least two, probably coming up on three this fall, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think we have some some Roofstock clients from back in 2017, possibly. Yeah. But but for the uninitiated, uh, Jason, I'll let you take over and, and explain the corporate line version of what Roofstock is. Because if I say it, I'm just gonna be like. It's the it's how you buy houses. It's how you do that. 
Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you the, the corporate elevator speech. Um, they, you know, Rootstock is an online marketplace for people to buy and sell uh, tenant-occupied or cash-flowing rental properties. You know, our, our main goal being to kind of break down the geographical barrier that has traditionally existed in investing. You know, if you look over time, people generally buy pretty close to where they live. But, you know, as price disparity has kind of grown in some markets and, and kind of the ability for people to enter into those markets has evaporated, um, you know, we want to be a resource for people to, to explore outside of their market and, you know, have access to and the ability to jump into markets that they may never have considered before. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so Brian, when do you think our biggest switch between you know, accidental landlords to like the investor marketplace. Was was that 17 that that really hit with us? Is that the switch over? Yeah, it hit pretty hard in 17. It started in 16. Okay. Uh, we, we started uh, negotiating with some of these folks and, and establishing relationships last quarter 16. So really yeah. Q1 17 is when we started seeing some of the benefits of that and started signing some properties into our portfolio. Mm -hmm. And then since then, as long as I've been at AHI Properties, uh, Roofstock was one of like the first, you know, this is our policy with Roofstock clients. It was one of the first things I was introduced to uh, kind of day one was like, okay, we get Roofstock clients. This is how this works. This is how we're going to handle this process. And it's been such a normalized part of my time here at AHI that that it blows my mind that this was done any other way previously, because of course it's so much harder to, you know, find a good deal in your own marketplace. Um, especially if you're in some place like Nashville or, you know, out, out on the West coast where just the property values are so, so high. How do I find a good deal in Atlanta if that's where you're located? But, you know, you can look out to these secondary markets and Birmingham is, is a secondary market. It's a big one, but it's a secondary market. The good, you know, one of the good things to look at, especially if you're someplace where the taxes are really high. Well, how do I buy a property in one of these low tax states like like Alabama or Hawaii or what are the other ones that, that I just read from a post that you put on LinkedIn uh, recently about just like the, the tax benefits of buying in some other states, how much they're lower than in other areas. You see these good deals, and if your average property value, you know, one place is three hundred thousand dollars, but I can go buy an investment property from for a hundred or, or, or two hundred when the the values are so much higher. Of course, this makes sense. And so, I mean, I've just been de dealing with you guys for the my entirety here at, at AHI. Just it seems yeah, the relationship is already built, and yeah, we're already flowing business back and forth. So, so Jason, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us back to a time to where we used to deal with investors mainly California, some California, Florida, New York investors back before 2007 and eight happened. So basically the timeline was 05 to 07. And so the way of doing business and dealing with investors back then was basically it was an investment network that would set up, educate their, their investor buyers, uh, go out and actually, in this case, a representative we had coming out of California would come and meet with builders locally find what that product looked like, to find price points, to find rent ready rental unit, because uh, there were the tax benefits of GoZone, if you remember that one. 
So they were coming out buying new construction product. And, uh, and I went with them on several of those visits and, and meeting and introduced them to some new builders and different marketplaces. And so it was pretty interesting. But I, the, the main thing I wanted to set up was kind of the differences between that model and that's really pre your guys type of service and what, what that difference looks like today and what product you guys offer and how, how much easier it is for, for an investor. Uh, we see this a lot with our insurance group too, where we have investors that have properties all over the U.S., outside of our markets, anywhere and everywhere. And how easy is it for somebody to come in and pick up one property in Ohio, one in Texas, one in Alabama, uh, from your perspective and, and the benefits of, of using your product, Roofstock, we all know it. We take it for granted. We work with you guys every day and we know what kind of uh, system you guys have in place. But I want, I want it for the benefit of our listeners to, to fully understand how it is you guys operate, what, what that difference looks like between those two models I described. Yeah. And you can get yeah. And I, I, I know that other model pretty well too. Um, you know, I've, I've been doing residential real estate since 2003. So kind of got to see how it, how it functioned, you know, post finance or pre financial crisis, you know, a lot of those and some of those, what I would call aggregators still exist in the marketplace. Um, and, you know, I, I think a lot of them, you know, like Marco or, or Kathy Fecky, they provide a, a good product too. Where I think we've kind of turned that business on its head is, is it's really full service. Um, you know, we're taking a buyer in a lot of cases who isn't very experienced in real estate, you know, walking them through the whole process um, via phone calls, you know, via our education platform, Rootstock Academy. And, and then they can also have access to like one-on-one coaching as well through that program. So we're really trying to encompass like every single part of it, like the education, the access to inventory. You can go on and compare properties in probably more than 100 different cities, uh, you know, throughout major and secondary MSAs all around the country. You know, we just added a couple more states. So I think we're in like 35-ish. Um, so the ability to just really go into one place and kind of see what the baseline home looks like in, in different markets and be able to compare them. You know, we we really just want to be a transparent platform and give people all the information and, you know, help educate them. And, you know, even if that means they don't buy a property through Roofstock, that's that's fine with us. Um, but we want to provide kind of all those tools and all those educations. And then as far as the process, we're helping you through from day one to acquiring all the way through the transaction, introducing you to your property manager, helping you get insurance, um, helping you find lenders. So I think integrating all of those pieces into it has, you know, really kind of changed from where in the past, the aggregator could help you get to the inventory, but from there, it was kind of, you're all on your own. It's like, well, you go figure out the rest of it and, you know, there you go, we're introducing you. Um, Whereas we're really there to help you put all those pieces together because, you know, to successfully invest remotely, you really need a team. You, you need your property manager, you need your insurance provider, you need your lender. And, you know, without all those and really looking at it like a business, like this is my team and this is who helps me operate my investments. You know, we want to help people put all those pieces together. Otherwise, you know, they may not be as successful as they could be. 
Yeah. There's a couple of different dynamics that, I mean, there's several things you touched upon in that uh, breakdown for us, but, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I really like just looking at, at your website and the availability is the, kind of the quick access to the uh, performance uh, profile for the property. So you, you actually are looking at it, how you expect it to perform. And then you can, I mean, just at a quick glance, you can do those high end comparisons and then really drill down if you want to seeing the supporting documents and everything that you guys have done. And I kind of like to start there, I think, and say, okay, so if, if I'm bringing you basically one, two, three Elm street from Huntsville, Alabama, and I want to list it with you guys, take us through what that process looks like from an intake perspective from, from Roofstock and what you guys are doing before and up until the point where you get it listed on your website. Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. And, um, so, you know, we're, we're taking that property, we're, we're underwriting it, we're, we're doing evaluation on it. We always like to make sure, you know, kind of seller's price expectations are in line with market uh, and not way above it. So we're, we're looking at sales comparables. Um, we're also looking at, you know, obviously the cash flow as well, but we're, we're still seeing a lot of buyers leverage, you know, attractive debt rates. So we do want to look at that from an appraisal standpoint to make sure there's, you know, really not going to be major issues there. We're also collecting, you know, any, any documents related to the lease and the tenant. We want to, we want to look at that lease and the terms, you know, who, who pays for utilities and those kind of things are, are all important when it comes to kind of drilling down on that cash flow. And then, you know, obviously the tenant payment history is is pretty important to any investor as well. You know, then we're we're coordinating with the property management to do a third party inspection. It's important that we're really looking at the major systems of the home and understanding, you know, what kind of deferred maintenance there is, if any, and um, what kind of the the current status of the major systems, you know, the HVAC, the roof the foundation, any potential health or safety hazards, electrical, plumbing-wise. You know, again, a lot of these investors are remote, and they don't have the ability to go do this, so we're kind of taking that off their plate. Um, and then, you know, if there's any information, if there's any HOAs or CCNRs, uh, we're going to go ahead and collect that information as well, um, making sure there's, you know, no rent restrictions or something crazy with the HOA that, would cause it to be a bad investment. Um, do, do y'all go over on Roofstock University? Do y'all explain, and I'm sure you do, uh, like some of the terms that, that a new investor might not really understand. Um, you kind of, there's so much jargon in this industry. And I mean, I, I've thrown them out in this podcast so many times, not even thinking about it. But recently I was speaking with a, like a first time uh, investor and that, just trying to walk them through, these are the things that you need to look at. Um, it, it felt like I needed to give them a full course of what this looks like, what investment property actually looks like. But it's like someone had told them, gave them the idea, you know, you can make money if you buy a property that's not the one that you live in. And they went, oh, great, I'll do it. But then do, knew nothing else after that. Yeah, the kind of thing that I like that uh, Jason just alluded to that really gets missed sometimes is just being part of the process, but really the value of it is the fact that you guys are, are bringing all this stuff together into one place so that the individual investor is not having to track down the appraiser 
coordinate with the current management company. I mean, you know, some of those things you wouldn't be able to do to start with, specifically the coordination with the, the incoming management company. And, and the other thing that I really like is that you guys, instead of like an aggregator to where they might have maybe one partner in a marketplace that does property management, for, for an example, yeah. you got I mean, okay, we have, we have several different partners in the marketplace. Here's a list of the companies and here's your websites and, you know, here's how you contact them and, and you can make your own decision. And because uh, we, you know, we're part of that process. So we fully understand that. But I think just that value add of what you're giving um, ultimately your customer, the, the person that's shopping for that investment property. And, you know, you, you brought up mention of creating that team and bringing all that stuff together. But and unless you've done that all by yourself and tried to buy a property without having somebody do all that for you, you don't really appreciate the the value of that aspect of, of how you guys are allowing somebody just to be a one-stop shop type thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we take those, you know, those partnerships and those referrals pretty seriously. Like, as you guys know, we, we've been to your offices, we've been to, you know, GKs in your market and we've been to Alabama. It's, we don't just find someone on Yelp and yeah. you know, throw them up on our site. I, I don't, I don't think people, we probably don't do a good enough job of telling people, you know, and look, I'm not going to say it's it's like some daunting, huge process to get onboarded, but, you know, we're doing office visits, we're meeting teams, um, you know, we're reviewing copies of their PMAs, their leases, making sure there's no funky terms and all those things in there. I'll say the questionnaires and then the, um, you know, on the front end and and going through those with you guys on our onboarding process, you know, once once you identify that you might like to partner with us and refer business and vice versa, just being able to go in and the, the depth of those and asking particular questions on how you handle situations and back to your language and the, the PMA agreements. Um, so you really do, uh, I, I feel like you guys do a great job of, of vetting because that was, I think, short of signing large clients that we're going to be managing assets for. You guys yeah. have the thorough vetting process. Which is which is awesome, but uh, yeah, I think the only the only ones that have been more daunting have been you know those that we picked up a few hundred properties or more with. Yeah, uh, no, I, I could imagine those. But yeah, that process is a is a little more thorough. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it's it's kind of critical. You know, the management side of the asset is you know one of the most critical pieces once you acquire it, um, especially if you're not local. You know, you have to have someone that you know and trust you know, to, to look after your investment property. Right. And, you know, we've, you know, property management is a very tough business, but we feel like, you know, the partners that we've aligned with in all of our markets are, you know, providing, you know, best in class service. And, you know, certainly there's going to be mistakes and things that happen that come up. It's just, it's the nature of investment and property management. Um, but, you know, we, we feel pretty good about the folks that we've aligned with in helping our customers, you know, have the best experience. And again, the goal is to get them, you know, okay, you bought your first one, it's going well, like we're, let's, let's find another one, right? Um, you know, let's build a portfolio and, you know, build a passive income stream for yourself to be successful. Well, and I can tell you, you know, the example I shared with you earlier, that one of those particular aggregators, one issue we had, and it seemed to be most prevalent in our mobile marketplace, but 
what they had done on the front end is they would bring us the client, basically. They would refer the client to us post-closing. So we had no interaction on the front end. So we couldn't give any input on property area uh, market analysis from our perspective and the rent market analysis. And what we found is, quite honestly, is we had a lot of properties coming to us where an owner had an expectation of making anywhere from two to two hundred fifty dollars more per month. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> and you know, when you're in California and you're trying to explain what the potential rent is in Alabama for someone that doesn't know, any amount of rent uh, outside of California is going to be lower than California. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so very few areas in the country are lower than that that particular geographic area, but but Alabama. So they were they were buying the properties, and it's like, well, what do you mean I can't get this? And what was happening is they were they were coming up with their own market analysis and bouncing that against a sales agent from the builder, who of course was saying, oh yes, absolutely, that sounds perfect. Yeah. Uh, and I'll let Jonathan speak to this because Jonathan is the guy in the Oregon market that gets the. You know, you guys do a great job reaching out before someone purchases the property just to verify there's market analysis. Yeah. And send them to us. And Jonathan just happens to be that guy in, in Birmingham that does I this. am. Um, <laughs> I, I always appreciate it because when when I see a property come into Roofstock, before it ever even hits Roofstock, I get probably 10 emails. No, maybe not 10, maybe five emails a week of like a list of properties. Hey, can you... Give me your property analysis, your your you know assessment on all these price points, and I know that I'm not going to be the the end all be all everything market analysis for it. But I'll come up with my numbers and I'll run my numbers. We've talked about my polygon a million times. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm very specific about what I think my numbers are, and then you'll go and say, okay, well these are Jonathan's numbers. Now let's ask GK. Now let's ask whoever yep. else is in in the market bring their base attention. Part of what you're doing also is you're putting uh, average days on market with yeah. them. So yeah. That's what we're doing back to you guys to say, okay, we, if we feel like it's going to be between this price and this price, the expectation is going to be on the market or the average for the X amount of days. So well, yeah. I think there's a, there's a, I mean, nationally known, there's some really, um, I say they're hot markets, but they're they're popular markets. I wouldn't call them hot, but they're popular markets in the Birmingham metro area that have, I mean, relatively solid rent rates, and you know, it maybe nationally, you know, nine hundred dollars a month doesn't seem like a solid rent rate, but for the Birmingham market, at nine hundred dollars a month, that's a solid C class property. And yes, can it get nine hundred nine hundred dollars a month on some of these properties? Of course, but every property in that area can get nine hundred dollars a month. You just are going to have to wait 75 days or however long that days on market time is, which is why I always put that in there. But I do also appreciate seeing after I've done my market analysis, um, you know, a week or so later, however long it takes to finish up the rest of the due diligence the Roofstock does when it actually populates on Roofstock. And it's like, OK, here's the price range. This is what we think it'll get. This is the current market rent, or this is the current rent of a tenant. This is the market rent of the tenant or whatever. And then it's like, this is the range that we have received. And you can see down there on the bottom where that range was that a bunch of people have given you, yep. you know, what we thought. Right. So, yeah. we, we look As we talked about, Jason brought up the, um, in your example was, you know, tenant performance, tenant ledger, you know, that's from the existing lease. But I think it's also important to point out that you guys, while you sell tenant to properties, you also sell to, uh, properties that are not tenant. So there's, you know, you put them on the market 
uh, with some partners and we're also talking about um, yeah. we can get into some of the dynamics with your your rent guarantee dynamic if you want to talk about that but but it is important to note that both types of properties available yeah. uh, mm -hmm. better inventory to choose from yeah and you know we feel pretty strongly about that process and and providing the multiple data points from different property managers and then kind of honing in on what we think that market rent range is. Um, believe me, we get a lot of sellers who want to use their market rent number. Of course um, they do. And, you know, it's just not something we're willing to do. Um, we don't really break process there. Unless it is the actual current rent, we're going to show that and it's verified on a lease and a ledger, you know, backing up those payments. But as far as the market rent, like, there's really no flexibility and and that's 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 triangulated from our property management partners um, and we feel that's a very important data point and you know buyers need to have the proper expectations of, of what that market rent will be um, so they don't feel misled I mean I know there's a lot of a lot of folks out there kind of inflating numbers and you know, maybe not showing the full picture on, on kind of what they present to buyers. And, uh, you know, we want to provide all the information possible we can to, to help people make the most informed decision they can. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to put you on the spot here about anything, but, uh, and we can cut this out if you would like to, but I've always been curious when it comes to market rents, when you receive them, like if, is there often or, you know, maybe not often, but how, how often maybe do you see market rents come in that are vastly different where one will say it's, you know, essentially a, a B class property rent, you know, over $1,100, $1,200, some, some number, but then you get something else from another property manager where it's significantly hundreds of dollars lower. How do y'all, um, how do y'all kind of make amends with that? What does that look like on y'all's side? Um, so if there is a real outlier, we'll probably reach out to them and ask kind of what they were seeing. But, you know, from what I see, it's, it's generally pretty close. And then we'll, we'll just average them out. Okay. And so we're, we're kind of taking those ranges from the two or three different PMs and then kind of averaging them to come up with that bracket. I got you. Um, I haven't seen anywhere. It was like wildly like, uh, you know, someone wasn't looking at that closely <laughs> or, or something along those lines. So we, it tends to triangulate to a pretty, a pretty fair number. We feel like. Oh, that's great. Well, and I, and I think it's worthwhile to, you know, point out because when we have people listing properties, because we, you know, we've got clients in, in common in some cases, but you might have a client that comes to you and says, Hey, I've got this property. It's vacant, but we believe it's going to rent for, you know, to Jonathan's point, 1200. And then you send it back to your partners whom you know, know how they operate. And then let's say they come back and say, oh, it's, you know, 950 to 975 per month. Uh, because that's, that's what we see in our day-to-day -day business, especially with like absentee owners uh, that are accidental. They've moved on. They're, oh, my house is, man, I, I lived there for 10 years. And that house is worth, got to be worth this. Uh, what do you mean you can't get it? You know, I want to start up here. I think uh, Zillow plays a heavy role in that. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the... Uh, yeah, we fight that battle every day. Um, you know, because there's areas that are more imp impacted by Zestimates than others, where you'll see, you know, very arbitrarily low Zestimates. Um, 
And, you know, but everyone looks at it, right? Every customer, client, everyone looks at, at Zillow <laughs> as, kind of, as kind of their truth. <laughs> I think the first thing we point out in regard to that is, you know, you're looking at, at a mi- macro level versus a micro level. Mm-hmm. You guys are getting into is the micro. And it's just like, you know, one area I know Jonathan was referencing earlier, and I won't call it out by name, but, you know, you've got to buy... I mean, you've got to pay for a certificate of occupancy. You've got to pay for those inspections and annual fee. You know, all this stuff goes in into operating expenses. And back to your point earlier, Jason, is where you have somebody reporting that, but excluding those numbers, then you don't really have a, an actual figure that you're working with. I mean, that could be several hundreds of dollars per year of expenses that you're not uh, calculating into your equation. Yeah. So, yeah, and I've seen I've seen plenty of one pagers from different turnkey providers all over the country where I'm poking holes and like where's R and M like where's yeah you know, well you're showing you're showing the taxes you're paying now but that's an arbitrarily low assessed value because you bought it at a foreclosure or wherever yeah you know, those taxes are going to increase most likely significantly um, so you know we're you know, you want to look at us that way. We're almost vetting, you know, a lot of the providers of inventory that are out there by making them kind of go through our process. And, you know, we don't, we don't change our underwriting or our financials for anyone. It's done based, based on an algorithm, based on when the home is built, based on how large they are. And, you know, we're not customizing those for providers that don't feel like it's showing their properties in the best light. <laughs> um, I've always appreciated that because I know we've had clients in common that we've received from places that were not you guys that have been like, oh, I can put my property on on Roofstock since, since you guys can't get it rented at this rate that I want. I'm going to put it on Roofstock and sell it. And then they've come back to me and been like, well, they, won't, they won't say that my market value is as high as I want it to be. And I'm like, because it's not. <laughs> it's the same argument that I had for months with you. Yeah, and I, I've, I've always appreciated that because if someone if someone disagrees with me on what they think it's worth, try and sell on roofs. <laughs> yeah, see, the, see how they come back. Well, and we we've had that go the other way too. Like we're we're very big on being transparent. And someone's come to me with a three hundred thousand dollar home that you're like, well, with the rent where it is at sixteen hundred, this probably doesn't make a good investment property. You know, this this should probably be vacated at the end of the term and sold on the retail market yeah that's how you, i'm going to give you a price of two hundred and thirty thousand, and i don't think i don't think you should sell yourself short 70 grand um right. so we're, we're very big on on really providing sellers and buyers all the information and you know we'll give them all the tools and resources they need and let them make the best decision for themselves but like it, it's very important to us to literally give them everything like Here's all the information. All of our cards are on the table. Now, I actually think you listing this on the MLS, you know, your lease is up July 30, 30th. You know, you may as well hold out and give them a 60-day notice that you're not going to renew the lease. And, you know, you'll be hitting summer with a nice home and right. you'll get a better price for it. So we, we it does go both ways for us. Uh, and we're, we're very big on, uh, on giving all that information to people. Uh, so they I like that fact that uh, just knowing that you guys aren't just out there listing every single property you could possibly list. Yeah, um, you definitely aren't because y'all could take a whole lot more than y'all y'all will yeah, list, which I I appreciate. Y'all are not going to list 
bad yeah, properties. Thing we always talk about is that vetting process of, of the property. Um, so you've got a certification process in place and we've gone through it several times with you guys so we understand what it is. But for the, for the consumer knowing that that property has been vetted by you guys and it's like what you, you know, you kind of referred to the home inspector earlier and you talked about deferred maintenance and necessary maintenance and assigning a value to it. Just being able to forecast, hey, this is what needs to be spent on the property. Here's the asking price. I mean, you're very transparent with that. And I think from a consumer standpoint, that is awesome. Um, yeah, and that's the hardest thing to do remotely, right, is is repairs uh, or, or rehabs, um, you know, rent readies. And that's really where, you know, your team comes in and, you know, you guys can perform that service if needed um, for any kind of repairs and maintenance or rent readies that need to be done. Because it, it, it kind of all flows into maximizing the potential of the investment. Um, if there's certain thing, you know, the air conditioner is broken, you may not get that 950 rent that you wanted unless you're providing a good, clean place for the tenant to, to live. Um, you know, they're not going to want to pay that extra 50 bucks if there's no, you know, AC or, or there's certain things in the house that you skipped on. So really, really kind of honing in on what all it's going to cost to get that to its kind of maximum stabilized rent price point um, is, is something, you know, we could probably do better at, but um, it's, you know, certainly part of our goal is to arm them with all the information they need. Yeah. Um, point out all the potential repairs that are needed and then, you know, link them with folks locally who can help them perform those repairs or, or, you know, rent out the properties, et cetera. Right. Well, and then I like the idea of, you know, you've got an investor buying a, a product that's been certified and they're, you know, they know what they're getting into. And then if they partner with one of the PM partners to know that, Hey, we can bring services on board with us like second nature filter, delivery service as an example, or gutter cleaning on a regular schedule, just things to prolong uh, the life of that property and protect it uh, versus buy it. And then it just continues to depreciate, um, not just monetarily, but for deferred maintenance and that aspect. Um, so I think everybody being on the same page, having the same same goal in mind of asset preservation and optimizing the cash flow component I think that's a, that's a great partnership. And that's, that's really why, you know, it's just ease, uh, ease for our consumers uh, buying properties. And, and we, we love the idea of people just diversifying our portfolio and buying all over. We're not the guys with the message of, Hey, buy our markets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I've never, I've never heard of anything but Birmingham. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is a perfect segue. Speaking of multiple different markets, and Jason, you're probably the best person I know of, other than maybe Nishant, really, to ask this question. Um, he, he, we just interviewed him kind of at the wrong time. During the COVID-19 situation that we have going on, what have you seen in terms of more listings coming to you guys? Because people are like, I'm not going to be able to sell anymore. Or are you seeing rent rates go up, rent rates go down? What is it? How has that really affected you guys, or at least y'all's inventory? So the inventory has actually been steady. Like the our, our amount of signed listings per month has been pretty dang good. Now, I, I would say the first probably three or four weeks when this really became like a national story and there was a lot of, I, I guess I would say there was a lot of fear being spread around. Um, we did see a drop off in buyer activity there for a couple of weeks. 
um, you know, people were just a little worried, especially if you're new, right? Like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't buy my first investment during an uh, international pandemic. Um, uh, oh, come so, on, why not? That's the best time. Yeah, I mean, we were having a lot of those conversations, but, um, you know, as far as inventory, those things, it, it's been really steady. Now, on, on the portfolio side of the business, it, things have been a little halted by everything going on. It's harder to do diligence and uh, kind of take in like a sizable chunk of homes at one time. Um, but if you look at the fundamentals of, you know, one-off investing, the interest rates are still really low. You know, we still have a lot of good inventory in a lot of different markets. So those fundamentals have remained really strong. Yeah, I was going to say early on, because we we saw a kind of pause. That's what I like to refer yeah. to it. Everybody was trying to figure out what's going on, A, what how, how things are going to look down the road. No one had any idea. I mean, the early expectations in our our business were, you know, increased delinquency, mass loss of jobs, which we've had some of that aspect of it. But uh, realistically, what happened with April and May is rent collections are pretty much been on track with previous months. And leasing activity, I mean, early on, it's it's smoothed out a little bit now. But man, early on, it was, I mean, it was full throttle. It was bonkers. Yeah. yeah. That was like one of the, that was the best March we've ever had on record in 20 years of property management. So yeah, uh, with the, uh, the dynamic of, you know, we, we refer to it as there were no tire kickers. There was, hey, I like this property. I'm ready to move in this month. Let's go. And uh, so, but that was happening across the country too. So we didn't see a lot of drop off there, but I think everything now, it's kind of like that initial surge is kind of smoothed out a little bit. And I think now you'll start to see that, uh, yeah, we got people buying properties. we got people leasing because we were in that same mode. We had some portfolios that are under contract and paused because of the due diligence pieces of it. Yeah. And we're, we're still trying to figure those out right now. And yeah. it's, and it's almost exclusively, a due diligence situation is how do you get a home inspector in a house and social distance? How do you get an appraiser in a house and social yeah. distance? Yeah. Well, and some of the lenders also shut down there too, Lima and Corvus. So that, that caused some issues. Um, and yeah, we, we had to, you know, InterNACHI, which is like the licensing board for all home inspectors put out kind of what their COVID guidelines are. And we've had all of our home inspectors and vendors, um, you know, we're asking the tenants to actually wait outside while they do the inspection. You know, they're wearing masks, gloves, goggles, booties on their shoes. Um, and, and then, you know, kind of wiping everything down when they're done with the inspection, everything they touch. Um, so, yeah, it's certainly been a, an adjustment on that side. But, uh, you know, everyone rallied pretty quickly. We haven't really had an issue. I mean, you know, there's still some people that don't want folks coming into their homes. So, um, and, you know, we're, we're respectful of that, but to your point, Brian, rent collections from what we've seen and heard from the publics and from our own property management firm, uh, pretty on point for, for March and April. Um, you know, I think May is kind of still coming in, but it's not looking very drastic. No, uh, leasing, le leasing has been great. Renewals have been really good. Like people that even had planned move outs have now signed extensions, yeah. um, you know, seen, the uncertainty, they don't want to move or, or go buy their home or. Yeah. We've seen people revoke their, uh, their notice to vacate and 
And, and then we've had some people that have asked for a couple of months extension. And then I talked about this the last episode, but we had one uh, PM from out in Denver that, you know, as a practice, he, he basically said, Hey, I'm not, I'm not going to, it's Mark Cunningham. If you know, Mark, Mark was saying, Hey, think about this. I'm not renewing leases right now. I'm just saying we'll extend you out two, three months, which time we'll then renew leases because what he didn't want to do was disadvantage his client by saying, okay, because of the financial situation right now, instead of getting a rent increase, I'm going to keep it level for 12 months. Yeah. You know, keeping it level for a couple months and then experiencing a gain a little bit later. So that was, that's a good, a good idea. And uh, to your point, it, in May, you know, I think the funny thing was, it's like when when it hit March, it was like the expectation, okay, we're good because rents were already paid early in the month. Let's get to April 1, see what April 1 looks like. And then you get through April, it's like, oh, that went too bad. And then it was, May's going to be t- terrible. I mean, high delinquency in May. And then, you know, and then it didn't happen there either. So, so the next, next hurdle is June. Yeah. Wow. You're thinking as a PM. It's like I was explaining to our large client. It's like trying to manage property with one arm tied behind your back because yes. you know you can't you can't post uh, lease termination notices, don't start the eviction processes, no late fees, you know all these different dynamics. All of our enforcement leverage has been taken away from us, so it's yeah. just relational. And yeah. uh, our tenants and saying, okay, uh, let's see what we can do and, and try to work with you. And but there's been a lot of great discussions going on. I know one of the things that we picked up in an early discussion that was hosted by uh, Second Nature to where we had like 50 PMs on panel. We had breakout sessions and great event. But uh, there was an operator down in Florida that was doing a uh, a rental assistance fund that they had set up with GoFundMe. And basically they shared the idea with the group and immediately after the call reached out to them. It's like, hey, I want to know what you guys did, if you don't mind sharing. And they they shared everything with us. It was atrium property management. Yeah, and uh, and we did the exact same process. We duplicated it, started a, a fund, and we've been able to assist some tenants that have been challenged because of COVID nineteen reduced hours, you know, furloughs have been terminated, businesses shut down, and and particularly for those folks that are hourly employees, that's been the most impact. Yeah, uh, but just talking to other managers across the country, it's you know some places are worse than others. Obviously, like. I know somebody in Charleston that manages and they have such a high number of tourists come through that area, but that's really impacted a lot of their tenants. And uh, same thing in Florida, I've heard stories from different people. Um, But I I think we've been a little bit uh, layered from that just based on our locations. Hey guys, Brian and Jonathan here. Today we want to tell you about one of our preferred partners, Rootstock. So what if there was an investing platform that allowed you to collect passive income and generate average annualized returns of over 8% in markets across the U.S., not just the ones in your backyard? With Roofstock.com, you can buy, sell, and own investment properties the way the pros do it and start earning passive income right away. So don't wait. Reach out to them today and get started on Roofstock.com. Are you guys uh, are you guys seeing anything, hearing any any kind of feedback in regard or concerns from uh, potential investors buying properties from you? Just hitting you with, with those type of questions. Coming um, yeah, I mean, there's a pretty heavy focus on you know the getting the most recent tenant ledger these days. Uh, you know, they want to make sure they paid May rent, and so we're getting a lot of questions from buyers on, hey, can can you get me 
an updated ledger, you know, I want to make sure may rent was paid um, or, you know, was there a payment plan put in place if they didn't? So we are, we are starting to see a lot of those questions. Like a secondary follow-up, basically you provided the information on the front end and now as we get closer to closing, we want an update. Yep. Yeah, let's make sure we have all that information updated and, and up to date. Um, you know, I could I could think of actually one of Rob's properties where we had a, an issue with that, but you know, we were able to work out something with the buyer for them to close anyways. I think you guys are managing that one. But yeah, I don't know that, exactly which one you're talking about too. That one was in Huntsville, right? Uh yes, I believe so. But yeah, those those questions are becoming much more prevalent as you know, everyone kind of has a keen eye on on rent collection, you know, obviously it, it, it changes the, the fundamentals if, if that tenant's not paying rent. Oh, yeah. It does. And I'm glad you brought Rob up because it, it's kind of a, you know, that's a good, another nugget for our listeners because the, the situation with that particular client, um, and I, I know Rob wouldn't mind me saying this, but, you know, they had a, a huge number of properties in multiple marketplaces instead of trying to group them all into one portfolio and trying to get rid of them that way. Um, they ultimately made the decision to kind of go at it one at a time and uh, you utilize you guys as part of that platform. And uh, it's, I, I think it's worked out pretty well. I mean, it's continuously flowing. It's taken a little bit longer. Yeah. working. I think they're, I mean, we've seen some of the, the closing docs. I mean, they're getting pretty good return on some of these properties uh, as opposed to what he had originally thought about doing. I think, offering it in a portfolio and yeah the portfolio price versus if i just average what they're getting per property he's doing he's doing a lot better than than he probably would have done yeah and and those are conversations that we have with portfolio owners all the time and and to be honest with robs we actually we actually got a few offers on like 20 30 homes in one package and you know rob dug into the pricing pretty deep and was like well you know, I don't know if I'm willing to take that kind of a haircut. I'm not in distress. I, you know, sure, I would like to get my equity out quicker, but, you know, if I'm expected to take a, you know, 15 to 20% haircut and my debt is flexible to where I'm able to sell them one at a time, you know, why would I not, why would I not go that route? So, yeah, that was something we talked with Rob quite a bit about you know, well, let's see what the offers are and you can kind of make your decision. Um, so we brought in a couple buyers for bigger chunks and, you know, at the end of the day, the pricing just didn't, didn't make sense for him and his partners. So, you know, we've been able to help him sell, you know, a dozen or so of those just one at a time, get pretty good price execution. Um, you know, they're really only taking a two to 3% discount from their list prices. Um, so, you know, he's, he's happy. Everyone's happy. They're getting better price execution. So, and that's what we love is kind of figuring out that puzzle is like, here's 40 homes. Like, and kind of presenting that like, well, here's where we think pricing would come in as a bulk package. You know, here's how you could execute on each one, one at a time. Um, and again, letting, letting the client decide what they think is best for them. Um, you know, we've had people in situations where, they just wanted to be done with it and we're willing to take a haircut. Um, well, I think that's, you know, you know, bringing up a, a, another very valid point, I think for someone that's looking to, to sell a property, I think what you guys are bringing to the table, you know, it's, it's, you're getting, you're getting the expertise that you guys have with the investors 
versus somebody trying to run through uh, what I would consider a retail agent trying to ask them or rely on their information in regard to investors. You know, we deal on the brokerage side only with investors. And the only exception to that is if we have an investor that wants to sell retail resale. So, we'll, but, uh, but just knowing what's important to the investor, what to look for, you know, I alluded to some of that stuff earlier, but what you guys are bringing is like, okay, you're, it's almost like that, you know, the, the case we just discussed, you're, you're talking about those client level services to say, okay, what's the best thing for me here? What's going to fit? And you're still, you're just presenting information, allowing them to decide what's best for them, but really giving them good data to run and to look at numbers wise and say, here's your explanation. You know, we're talking 15% discount over here or possibly two or 3% over here if you want to do the long-term thing. And, uh, but that's, that's huge. I think it's, it's not just that, Hey, this is big nameless entity that doesn't really care about your listing is you guys are really dialing in on it and giving them good, solid advice to work well, with. I, I just recently wrote an article on LinkedIn, basically following exactly the points that's, that, that Brian is saying right there. The, the level of client level services versus like really like consultant level services that you guys provide. That's what someone needs when they're looking at either purchasing or, or selling investment properties, because I see it constantly when clients come in and they have either dealt with a retail agent to purchase one, or when they've, "Ah, I was trying to sell this with my retail agent and I'm just, he doesn't know any investors. I'm like, well, most of them don't. That's not their job. Their job is not really dealing with investments. They're trying to find someone a home to live in and they're experts at that. We have some really good ones around town. And I was making a point and actually, I think you read that, you read the article that I wrote because I know you you at least clicked on it a few times. And when we're talking about that level of, you know, what all is going to go into it, a lot of retail agents just don't know what is wrapped up into it. And I always appreciate when I get a Roofstock client, when they come in, they're very, very much more knowledgeable about what to expect than somebody that bought a property from, you know, Mary Jo, you know, something another, you know, that's their sister's friends, real estate agent, blah, blah, blah. Oh, they bought this. They told me it was a great, great rental property. And because, and it's a lot of it is that, that kind of, he said, she said data that they get. That's not really data. It's yeah. it, the word on the street is this will rent for, you know, X amount. And then it comes to me and I'm like, well, here's four years of data to show you what that looks like. And Roofstock, when I get those clients, it's here's my data, Jonathan. Is this the same data that you provided? Yeah, I provided that data. So it's great. Here we go. Yeah, that just fits. Yeah. And look, uh, you know, I'm a broker in multiple states and I don't like to talk badly about real estate agents and brokers. I don't either. They, um, yeah, I, I don't think there are some that specialize in investments and investment properties. Um, but I think it's very few and far between just like a, a North Carolina broker class I was in only like 10% of agents practice commercial real estate, but you have these realtors out there that'll take a commercial listing and they know nothing about commercial properies. Correct. Um, so because a commission is a commission, Jason. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of people get caught up acting expert when it's really not their expertise um and you know it part of the fiduciary is referring people to experts when it's not your yeah 
when it's not your area of expertise, but I, I do get why they do it. It's just, you know, and, and that's why we don't do multifamily and all these other, we do rental properties. Yeah. Two to one to four units. Um, it's what we talk about, what we breathe every day. And, um, you know, maybe at some point we'll, we'll bring in an expert that can help us do small multifamily, but mm-hmm. you know, m- most of us have a lot of e- SFR experience and, you know, we want to pass on that information and build tools for others to be able to use that and, and gain that knowledge. Well, and I, I appreciate the, the ability that you guys have to still refer, like at least give someone a referral fee for when they're not an ex- And that's the way that I work as well. I mean, it's, it's very similar, that hand-in-hand kind of relationship of, well, you know, I've got this client or I've got this friend of mine who is an investor, I guess, and he's got this property and I don't really know what to do with it. And I'm like, get, tell him to take it to Roofstock. Just, just take it to Roofstock. Roofstock will give you your referral fee. You'll get a little bit of it, but they will, you know, put it in the right hands. That's yeah. what I always appreciate when you guys have yeah, them. Go ahead and create an account for yourself and sign up and yeah. all your stuff in there. And, and that's, uh, I mean, just, just your connection uh, with existing clients, potential clients. I, I think you guys do a great job in communicating because I'm constantly, because we're set up as both. We wanted to, obviously we're set up as a partner with, with the PM firm, but then, you know, I set up personally just to kind of what the investor feels like and, and look for some potential deals from you guys. I still need to do one, but. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I like my newsletter. I, I get the market updates because I mean, I'm signed in the same way that you are, Brian. And I get my market updates and I look at stuff. I like when new stuff comes up on the market for Birmingham. That's what I was talking about. When, that's what I was alluding to when I see them pop back up on the market. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that is. The right yeah, look I was that. looking at that last week. Yeah. So, um, that, that, that kind of connectivity of all the pieces, like, Believe me, there's some things we're building that'll make it a lot better and a lot more tech-based. Um, you know, I can't say that it's been the best process all around all the time, but it, you know, we we kind of like where we are and kind of what we're building now. I, I think we'll make that even more efficient going forward for other brokers as well. Light years ahead of where things were. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, I agree. Someone. I used to run everything in my fund manually on pen and paper. So it's, it's definitely come a long way. <laughs> oh, one Excel thing. has been around for a long time, Jason. That's all I'm going to say. Huh? <laughs> I said Excel has been around for a long time, Jason. Yeah, well, you know, you got to know your weaknesses and Excel is one of mine. <laughs> now, one, of the, one of the things that I've, you know, we're experiencing in some of our marketplaces and I just kind of want to get your feel for what you're what you guys are seeing in yours and if you have any any activity in this space but it's the uh you know the be, the build to rent i know that's really i was telling jonathan it's kind of funny because we're talking about imn imn a couple of years ago there was barely any mention of build to rent you know last december in arizona it was like it felt like that's all everybody was talking about yeah it was the whole thing yeah and what we're seeing firsthand is we're seeing a supply and a demand for that in, in multiple markets now to where we have clients doing that exact thing. And the thing is, it's not, you know, they're not looking to get into the, the bare bones, three, two garden home communities. It's, it's high end houses. I mean, they're in our marketplaces, which in California, this is not that big of a deal, but here we're renting stuff, 18, 2200 bucks a month. And they're going off, you know, they're leaving our website just as soon as we can get them up there. We've got, 
standing orders for people just waiting for them to get finished, get them closed. And I really wanted to see kind of um, get your your opinion and, and expertise and what you guys are seeing in, in marketplaces overall. If you're seeing a lot of new new construction inventory pop onto your sites, you're not seeing it. Because um, I know, and, and really, you know, just being transparent, most of our stuff is going in, in less than 30 days uh, yeah. from get listed. So on that new construction stuff, it is just, it's crazy demand right now. Yeah. And, and we see the same whenever we get new inventory up. Um, I, I think just the peace of mind alone for a, for a potential remote investor, knowing that, um, you know, the home's new, all the major systems are newer. A lot of these builders are building the homes a little more durably uh, as far as using like hard surface flooring and you know, not a lot of carpet, um, making things pretty durable from a tenant living standpoint. You know, we're also marketing a few like large full communities right now um, that are early stages, just land right now. Um, the The conversations and the amount of people we've talked to all over the country is, has been astronomical. Um, you know, actually, I, I talked to a guy who has a potential development in Auburn, you know, Alabama, just like a week ago. And he stumbled across us and reached out and, um, you know, had a call with him. Um, you know, we, we've been talking to, to Mike at Prominence Homes. I'm sure you, you know, Mike, um, about getting some of their inventory up on the site. Um, you know, they use the MLS, obviously, which is great. Um, but can we bring them an investor audience in kind of collaboration and get some of those homes moved? Where I'd really love to go that we haven't quite cracked yet is, you know, a lot of the smaller builders have trouble holding standing inventory. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They want to put a buyer in place and then go do the vertical construction. Um, so where I'd like to get is is to where we're pre-selling. Yeah. Uh, you know, they could put a deposit down, then the builder goes vertical. You know, obviously, Dr. Horton and, and Lennar and all the big guys, they can hold as much inventory as they want. Um, but a lot of the smaller local builders can't afford to just sit on the inventory and, and hope it sells and build it all out. Um, so that's do, where do I'd love have, to. Do you have any connections with, um, like, builders? Have you ever looked into the land space yeah. or selling land itself? Um, not selling it, but, you know, we're working on some projects, uh, where we're helping a, a developer who owns land kind of connect the capital and all the pieces to do the development. We have one massive one right now in St. Augustine, Florida, that's actually in a qualified opportunity zone. It's 549 lots. So it's a, it's a, it's a big project and, and we're, we're working on helping them kind of put the pieces together. So, we are trying to get involved early on those because that's kind of where everything's happening is when they're still rolling. Jonathan, After this episode, we need to speak. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like you two need to have a conversation. Yeah. Uh, but back to the small builder concept. So, Jason, just wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit. And I assume you guys have already thought about this, but just through kind of that certification process with that builder uh, in mind to say, if you, if you buy, if you bring a, investor to the table before the vertical construction takes place, you know, what's that look like? What type of sense of, of well-being do they have? And, and the fact that you guys have vetted the builder, yeah, you know, 
comfortable what that process might look like if there is an issue during construction. Yeah, you- and and that's what we really haven't ironed out. So that's why we haven't done it yet. Is how do we track and monitor progress? How are we keeping or helping keep the builder on a real schedule? You know, who handles any like what does the contract say about any cost overruns? Um, you know, is the deposit ref- like a lot of these builders want to use their own contract they have? Um, it's something we're pretty particular about. You know, we've we've drafted a, a PSA that we feel is pretty favorable um, and, and protects both parties. But some of these builder contracts I've seen are, oh man, like there's no contingencies, there's no appraisal. Like um, they they want a pretty one-sided favor. And, and so that's one of the moving parts that's really hard is how do we track it? How do we keep the buyer in the loop consistently getting progress? Like we don't want to just be like, here, here's the builder, go, you know, you deal with it. Right. Um, so we want our team to be able to monitor track. Yeah, you'll uh, need project management piece that's following progression and feeding that. Exactly. And, and, and then keeping those timelines in line, like cost overruns, um, you know, and then, you know, on the back end post-close, like what kind of warranties are there? And um, those are all things that you need to vet, um, which is, why we have not done that with pre-construction it's just it's a lot of moving parts that our system really isn't built to properly manage and and handle and and monitor but you know we're cognizant that it's something we we'd like to do um it's just you know you get into that that conversation is you know we're still a young company we want to be flexible and and find different ways to work with people that's not always our way but when it comes to contracts and those things and protecting customers that's that's the one that's pretty tough there's a lot of these builders though i only use this contract it's like well here's all the dozen reasons why we would not use this contract um and, and we lose the conversation there at times um but you know, we're not really willing to flex our customer experience or our customer protection that, you know, be flexible with that. So it's just kind of been a roadblock at this point to doing the, the kind of pre-construction model. Right. Well, and right now you're at a disadvantage, um, you know, pre-COVID-19 market space of, you know, retail resales heating up because of limited inventory. So you didn't have a lot of leverage to work with a builder to get them to make things more favorable. Correct. And uh, so anyways, that's just, uh, I think, I think it would be a, a great add to, um, and I think, you know, you're pretty much on target with, if you had the ability to monitor and manage that piece of it, I think you would be in a pre-sale. I mean, you, you would be successful with that model. Well, I think well, yeah, and in, in theory, you're, you should be passing along better pricing in theory if they're coming in early on the build, they should be getting a discount from what the, I built it all the way to completion and I'm going to list it. Yeah. It should be a, a price gap that they can capture there right. for giving that builder peace of mind, putting it in contract very early on. Um, so I do think it's a worthwhile endeavor, especially if we could pass through a discount, you know, a nice discount to ARV. Um to that buyer customer, it's like, oh, well, you mean I can get this home now at 160, but when they complete them, they sell them at 180 right. or 175. Um, 
Well, yeah, because they're taking that risk. They're going all the way through. They right. got to construction <laughs> financing. You know, they're going to squeeze every dollar out of that retail sale. But you, well, from what I hear from those builders is they get better debt if they already have a contract in place. Yeah. Um, so their construction financing, their costs are going down a little bit and they're willing to pass that through. Um, not all of it probably, but they're willing to pass through some of that. Um, so if, if there's an opportunity for us, for buyers to get a discount um, and, and not have to take construction risks where they're buying the land or something crazy like that, um, it, it is something we'd like to do because I, I, I do feel like especially on some of these bigger developments I've seen, like if you get in early, there's some I've seen where you can potentially get a 20% discount to what their retail sale price is. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it could be advantageous to, to explore that. Well, and I think this goes to, this whole conversation kind of goes to one of the um, parts of Roofstock that really gives me ease and, and, you know, gives me peace of mind when it works for them. Y'all have the opportunity. Y'all are seeing the opportunity to do this, but you, you won't do it until it is going to make sense for your clients as opposed to just taking in the listings and, oh, we'll figure out a way to do it. We'll, we'll just start doing it so that we can make money. It, it, I appreciate that you guys are like, well, we can't do this well yet, but we're working on it. We just haven't done it well yet. Um, and that, that gives me peace of mind that once y'all start doing it, that means that y'all are going to be real good at doing it. So uh, I think that's some really interesting stuff for hopefully the future of Roofstock and what we're going to see coming down the pipe. That's, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And a lot of times we'll, when we want to test things, we'll use our own balance sheet to do it. Yeah. Um, so we, we've actually, we've actually bought some homes from builders pre-construction to kind of see what the process looks like. Um, and, and that gives us kind of the ammunition to, and the experience to really create a program that works. Um, so, you know, in the past when we wanted to test out different things, you know, we'll put our money where our mouth is and we'll do it ourselves first mm -hmm. um, to make sure we're kind of ironing out any kinks in the process and gaps in communication that we know would be difficult for our, you know, customers to accept. Um, so, you know, we'll, hey, well, let's go buy 10 homes and we'll use our balance sheet um, and, and see what it, see how it works. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're very open to, to kind of doing those things and doing our own trial and error rather than using our clients as trial and error. We do, we do a lot of that with, with a lot of our, you know, our balance sheet or portfolio that we want to try to work out the kinks of corporate leasing and, you know, different dynamics before we start using other people's inventory and understanding what that, what that system plays out to be. So, yeah. so I know we, we kind of went at it uh, a couple things before we kind of wrap up, but I think we'll end before we wrap up with two points. Uh, would like to touch on Roofstock One. Um, just tell us a little bit about that if you have an investor that only wants to buy interest and uh, in a property versus a property. And then I kind of want to get you, because we kind of skipped over it in the front end, um, we talk about you guys a lot, but I would like to hear a little bit of the history of, of Roofstock, just a brief, you know, when you guys were founded, kind of where you're at now, I mean, employees, uh, you mentioned you're in currently in 35 states, which is pretty big. Uh, but I kind of want to give our listeners a feel for, uh, for you guys as a company, uh, yeah. came on to this episode, not knowing anything about you. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll do Roofstock one quickly. Um, 
you know, and to my point about using, you know, everything we did on that program to launch it was on our own balance sheet. Um, even all the notes that were put onto those homes were on our own balance sheet. Um, so we sold out of the, you know, initial launch properties. There was about 65. Um, and, you know, as of the end of March, we had basically figured out all the kinks and were ready to launch V2. Um, and, you know, it started getting later in March and this, this thing kept getting worse and worse. And, you know, our, our legal counsel advised us, you know, probably not a good idea to launch a new security product into this marketplace. Um, you know, cause if there's any issues with rent collections or evictions, it would, you know, fundamentally damage the product. Um, so, but, but the basis of what it is, is, you know, you're buying fractionalized equity of the investment property. We manage it, we own it, we put the insurance on it, the debt on it, and you're basically buying a share of the equity of the property. Um, so you don't have to take title ownership. There's no transfer of ownership. You know, there's no traditional closing costs. And, um, obviously there's some setup fees and things like that, but not like your traditional title escrow, um, and really trying to create a passive vehicle for people to invest in. And, you know, theory is if you had 20 grand and, you know, you could buy your a property and just own it, but, or you could also buy four or five shares in four or five different homes and kind of spread out your risk. Um, maybe in four or five different markets too. Um, so we, we wanted to create, and, you know, we were going to do a Reg A plus filing so non-accredited investors could invest. Um, and really we were gonna do like a full Southeast fund um, and seed it with some of our own balance sheet properties and then acquire more to add to the fund. Um, but yeah, all of that, all of that kind of got put on hold for the time being. Um, I think it'll come back. It'll come back pretty soon. Yeah, yeah we, we love the long-term of that product and, and you know, anything you can do to lower the barrier to entry even further, the cost barrier, um, we feel like is gonna be attractive to retail investors. It's like what, you're telling me I can invest like $500 into a, a SFR fund and you know, I don't have to do anything and I don't actually have to go buy the property, find insurance, find you know, a lender and, and all the other things that come with it. Um, so that's, that's kind of the basis of that. Um, and then, you know, Roofstock as a whole, we've been around almost five years now since the original like concept, um, I know we have an engineering team of brothers, Jimmy and Ming, and they just had their five-year anniversary. They were like employee number number one and two. Oh wow! And they they kind of helped build out the whole launch and like the the infrastructure that we work off of. And um, you know, so we've been around five years. We're a Series D company, you know, venture capital backed. Um, we raised our Series D in December um have some pretty you know heavy hitter venture capital partners as well as you know some industry partners which i think are are pretty cool um you know i can't i can't name them all but um you know there's a few names that you would recognize in that pool that are service providers or builders or um things along those lines um so really you know our mission is to, you know, provide institutional tools to your everyday investor. We want to provide the knowledge we knowledge base we have, which has bought 
you know, tens of thousands of homes throughout the country um, and, and kind of provide all those resources and tools that, you know, only institutional groups have traditionally had access to. You know, we want to flip that around and give it to everyone. Um, so, you, you know, there's obviously a lot has changed in the last four or five years, but our mission is still the same. Um, in, you know, but you know, we're, we're excited about where we are and, and the potential that's still there. We have some interesting like builder partnerships that we're launching, um, you know, to your point about Builder Ramp, Brian, um, you know, pretty big program coming out with, with one of the large national builders that we're excited about. Um, you know, we were pretty close to doing a pilot on vacation rentals too, um, but <laughs> Yeah, that, that's something that, that I've always wanted to try and do as well. Yeah, that kind of got thrown to the wayside, but we, you know, we have a partnership agreement with one of the largest vacation manager, vacation manager rental, you know, companies, and you know, obviously they're they're going through some things right now with everything going on and the severe impact there's been on vacation rentals, and um, but you know that's something we were excited about launching too and hope to pick up as well, um, you know, provide provide people different services and different access to different types of investments. That's a very noble cause. Um, sure. I like that, uh, the idea of, of giving back to the investors and, and equipping them with what all the big boys have. So that's right. a, a nice, nice feature. That sounds uh, like final thoughts to me, Brian. It does. It does. It, re it really does. Uh, Jonathan, we're going to flip it up and let you go first. How about that? And we'll oh, man. Last. Okay. I mean, my final thoughts for Roofstock as a partner is, you know, I'm super excited to see what y'all, what y'all come out with next is, is like, that's, that's kind of been, been my dream. You know, as long as we've been working together, it's like, Ooh, what, what, what do we have come down the pipe? What's the new thing? Yeah. Um, what, what's going to be happening? But then on, on the second side, I mean, and it's kind of, because of what the three of us and, and you know, people in, in our position kind of do with daily, it's like what y'all do provide is something that is so essential that, that it seems like it should have been done long ago, but I don't even know if it was capable to have been done long ago. But if you're a out-of-state investor and, and you're listening to this podcast, how else are you going to buy properties in an area that, that, is, is the best value for you. I mean, the, the best roof stock is just the, the kind of no brainer way to go to find these properties, to get educated on how to do it. I mean, listen to this podcast, but listen to, listen to what they have to say. Call, call those guys. Just get yeah, in on this. The, 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 the value's there. They have their own so podcast now, so, which I think we're going to be guesting on. Uh, <laughs> oh Yeah. Yeah, but uh, exciting. See you our got, episode on Roofstock's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot, lot of episodes, by the way. I'm kind of kind of jealous. We're out of step up our game, Jonathan. I'm, um, I'm okay. Jason is a <laughs> beast. I've looked. I've looked and been embarrassed already. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, I was on there. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, do you have any uh, you have any final thoughts, Jason? Before uh, before we wrap up today. Uh, no, I, I, I guess I, I would just say, you know, if, if investing is new to you or, or, you know, maybe, maybe you've done dabbled a little bit, I, I think we're a great resource. Um, you know, you can have a real live conversation with someone. It's not all automated. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we didn't want to swing the pendulum too far on, on automation. 
Um, you know, we want people to have access to, to real live people who, you know, in a lot of cases have a lot of experience investing in real estate. Um, so, you know, we're, we're an open book with as, as far as those resources and um, being able to kind of walk through, A, what our platform is, how it works, um, you know, being able to look at comparisons of different markets. It's, it's just a good tool to have in your tool belt. Doesn't mean you have to buy a property with us, but, you know, you can, you can export out our financials, see how you're under put in your own assumptions. Um, it's just kind of a, a one-stop tool to kind of look at investment properties from a lens, from like an institutional investment lens. Yeah, so I know at one point you guys were pushing up against 100 employees. Have you gone over the 100 employee mark yet? Uh, yeah, we hit over 200. Yeah. <laughs> they double jumped it. Uh, Somebody you know, we, double bounced them on the trampoline. Yeah, we, we, we actually did have to make a few cuts a couple weeks ago, um, sadly, um, you know, just given everything going on. But, um, you know, we have our property management firm that does, you know, institutional management based out of Dallas. Um, and, yeah, so we, we did hit that 200 mark at one point. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's been exciting. When I started, we had, I think, 30 30 employees nice. um, just to kind of, to watch it grow and, and kind of help build out the team, you know, being one of the leaders here. Well, I can uh, say all the, uh, you know, I guess this will just go into my final thoughts, but start with uh, all the indicators I'm seeing um, and the thought leaders in our industry is that, you know, investment uh, property purchases and rentals are still going to be a very good option for people um, even right now. So yeah. just move. Uh, no, no real downside there. Um, I think everything's kind of leveled off as I alluded to earlier. Um, not to say that we won't have some ups and downs as we go through months to come, but I think overall it's a stable, pretty stable platform. People, you know, I've heard the argument discussing some things about the kind of a benefit of people being in their homes all the time uh, with the various lockdown scenarios state by state. But, you know, one of those is the uh, just just instilling the value of the home uh, to the person that's in lockdown, whether that be a tenant or a homeowner. And uh, I know because the funny thing, my wife and I, you know, we just continued to come in to the office while we had teams working remotely. But, you know, you come in and out and, you you know, on the weekend, you'd have to make a run to Home Depot and it's packed out. I mean, everybody's working remotely from home, but they're doing all these home improvement projects. And, yeah. Um, and even to the, uh, I mean, we, we've seen some of that take place in some of the rental units. I mean, people planting flowers, adding, you know, bark and pine straw and cleaning up and just get that kind of that, that bug for that spring cleanup and, and, uh, get that going. But that pride in ownership, uh, and, and pride in what we've gone back and forth a couple of times, Jonathan, regarding, you know, live here versus stay here. But I think we're seeing more of that live here mentality than the, the stay here stuff. So um, that piece. And as always, I love to see what you guys are doing and it's always nice to catch up. Uh, but this has been really nice to hear about some things you guys have in the pipeline and, and uh, kind of get us excited about, and I, I look forward to hearing more information about uh, many of these projects you guys are working on. Cause I know they're going to impact uh, everybody you do business with and, and open up more opportunities for us to refer even, even more people in. Um, but you guys, you know, first of all, just like to say thank you for the partnership that we've had for the past several years. And I look forward to 
continued growth there. And, uh, and more importantly, I, I thank you for, uh, you know, being a, an advocate for the investor um, that's trying to build their portfolio as one home at a time. And uh, just being a great tool, and, and it's just an excellent resource for us. We're, you know, we're an excellent resource for you guys, and vice versa. Yeah. So that's that way. But uh, we appreciate you coming on today, and we would like to give you an opportunity if if somebody wants to reach out to you, um, even learn more about Roofstock, or reach out to you or your team. How's the best way for them to go about doing that? Yeah, you can, um, and, and I, I appreciate that, Brian. We feel likewise about you know from the day we met you and Ralph and, 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 you know, started getting to know each other at the first, I think it was IMN maybe three years ago. Um, I think that was the first time we had met in person. Um, you know, it's been a great, it's been a great partnership. Um, and, you know, that's really the way we like to set things up is they have to be, you know, mutually beneficial, right? Otherwise, otherwise the partnership doesn't work for anyone. Um, and yeah, if you want to reach out to us at www.roofstock.com, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn um, or, or jgreen at roofstock.com. Um, happy to help direct you in, in, in the right place internally. Um, you know, we have a lot of good folks on our staff that are very helpful. Yeah, and I will say, based on experience, it is super easy to get signed up with these guys. You go on the website, it walks you right through it. Um, and I, you know, our, our tagline now, Jonathan. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna say how to how to reach us first before you yeah, before you throw your tagline out there. Tagline should be the last line, I believe, except for last time we <laughs> said it and then we doted over the fact that we came up with a tagline. Anyways, uh, so if any any of the listeners want to reach out to us, you can always email us at podcast at ahiproperties.com. Also, by the way, before Brian says the tagline, Jason, hang on here right when we finish recording. I do want to throw something by you, but and Brian. All right. Our new tagline, which we love, is keep buying, keep learning, and keep earning. All right. Thank you, everyone else. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Hey, let's take a moment to talk about one of our preferred partners, Rentals.com, a website that takes the hassle out of leasing rental properties. And hassle-free always sounds good. Yeah, it does. And you'll be amazed at what they do for property managers. When you add your listing, you get some great free services like accepting online applications and screening potential tenants. Plus, they're fair housing certified. Landlords and renters can also use Rentals.com to collect and pay rent, which means no more late rent payments. And millions of renters visit Rentals.com each month to search for rental homes. So check it out, Rentals.com, where you can find and screen your ideal tenants in no time. The songs Lobby Time, Retro Future Clean, and Rocket Power were created by Kevin McLeod of Incomputech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Visit creativecommons.org licenses by 3.0 on the web.